Welcome to the latest episode of Public Power Now. I'm Paul Schimpoli, News Director at APPA. Today, we're joined by Darren Springer, General Manager of Burlington Electric Department in Vermont. Darren, thanks for joining us. Great to be with you, Paul. So, Darren, just to kind of jump into things, um, in looking at, at Burlington Electric Department's uh, website and all the things that are going on these days, one of the things that obviously jumped out at me is the um, the news in, in, in late 2019 that the city uh, unveiled its net zero energy roadmap. Um, and it, that seems to kind of obviously, given the the, the, the the significance of this roadmap, this is obviously kind of carried forward in terms of everything that's going on. Uh, in the city these days. So can you describe what the roadmap calls for and the utility's role in implementing the roadmap? Absolutely. Um, So the Net Zero Energy Roadmap is uh, kind of a a vision document for us um, presenting different pathways on how to meet the the goal that Burlington Electric and the city have sent, uh, which is uh, to reach net zero energy by 2030. And when we talk about Net zero energy, um, we're, we're coming from the position of, of Burlington Electric uh, and Burlington having been the first city in the nation in 2014 to source 100% of our power from renewable generation uh, and having a long track record with energy efficiency, uh, looking at what came after that, what was the next goal, and net zero energy was the goal uh, that we've we've set out. And it's basically saying not only do we want to be 100% renewable for the electric uh, power sector, we also want to reduce and eventually eliminate fossil fuel use for the thermal sector, uh, heating and, and other thermal uses, and also ground transportation uh, for Burlington residents. So the roadmap looked at the thermal and ground transportation pieces, gave us baseline data for 2018, uh, which was the year that we studied. Uh, the roadmap was issued in 2019, as you mentioned. And we had conducted an RFP, uh, a national RFP with um uh, more than a dozen terrific responses from various uh, consultants who wanted to work with us on this. Uh, we partnered with Synapse Energy Economics and RSG, and they put together the roadmap with us. Um, and it really lays out um, uh, four key strategy areas, um, uh, moving towards more efficient and uh, predominantly electric uh, heated buildings. Uh, so more use of things like cold climate heat pumps, uh, geothermal heating and cooling, um, and uh, energy efficiency and weatherization for buildings. Uh, it looks at electric transportation, um, you know, electric vehicles becoming the, the dominant uh, vehicle uh, under the 2030 goal. Um, looks at district energy, which we uh, are the owner-operator, along with uh, two joint owners, uh, other utilities, of the McNeil uh, power plant, which is a biomass power plant. And uh, District Energy would help McNeil become a combined heat and power uh, facility and provide heat uh, from McNeil thermal energy uh, to other customers in Burlington to help reduce emissions. So that's kind of the third key piece. And then uh, last uh, but not least is alternative transportation uh, strategies to reduce vehicle miles traveled and promote alternative transportation and um, so we launched the roadmap 2019 um, just uh, just a month ago, uh, a little less than a month ago. Uh, Mayor Weinberger and I uh, released the first update with Synapse on the roadmap, looking at 2019 and 2020 emissions and fossil fuel use data. And um, obviously, the net zero 2030 goal is one of the most ambitious uh, 
utility or local government goals that we're aware of in the country. Uh, so the trajectory to reach it is steep and ambitious. Uh, we were pleased that uh, through 2020, we were actually uh, a little bit ahead of pace in terms of emissions reduction uh, relative to the roadmap goal. Um, obviously, the pandemic impacted uh, 2020. Um, we think about uh, 2020, part of the story there is reduced vehicle miles traveled. And so coming out of the pandemic, as the economy reopens, part of our message uh, in Burlington is uh, we have these remote work technologies that have been in use um, and we want to lead and we want um, area employers to lead on providing some continued flexibility for those. Uh, so we keep having less driving than we had before and we can mitigate any kind of emissions rebound that might be coming uh, out of the pandemic. So um, folks who are interested can go to our website, burlingtonelectric.com slash NZE for net zero energy and read the roadmap and all of the uh, recent updates that uh, we've just discussed. Great. Well, thanks for that, uh, that great overview. Um, so uh, now you mentioned that EVs are a key element uh, in terms of achieving um, the net zero energy goals. So against that backdrop, could you talk about um, what the utility is doing to facilitate the deployment of EVs? Absolutely. Um, you know, we're incredibly excited about electric vehicles um, at Burlington Electric. Um, we have in Vermont, as a policy I worked on um, when I was with uh, the, the Shumlin administration, the previous governor, uh, we passed a renewable energy standard that, relatively unique in the country, has a, a provision under Tier 3 that gives utilities a requirement to help reduce uh, fossil fuel use and emissions, uh, not in the electric power sector, but in the thermal and, and transportation sectors. And that program went into effect in 2017. And Burlington Electric uh, has launched um, dozens of incentive programs and customer programs uh, under Tier 3 of Vermont's Renewable Energy Standard to help meet our net zero goal. Um, electric transportation is a key focus area for us. Um, we've supported incentives for electric transit buses to join the transit fleet here in Burlington. We've supported uh, rebates at our local bike shops for electric bikes, and then we've supported uh, a variety of programs for electric vehicles. Um, we have an $1,800 incentive currently under our, we have a green stimulus that's uh, supporting recovery uh, coming out of the pandemic. Uh, so we've boosted some of our incentives. So it's an $1,800 rebate for customers or a $2,400 rebate uh, if you're a low moderate income customer uh, for the purchase or lease of a new EV. Um, we also have a plug-in hybrid and a pre-owned EV incentive as well. Um, we've invested as a utility in public charging stations around the community. So we have 16 public stations with 29 ports, uh, predominantly level two, but some faster charging stations as well. Um, we've launched a program with a, a company called EV Match uh, that we met through an accelerator program in Vermont, uh, which is called Delta Climb. Uh, we and EV Match have worked to deploy level two charging at um, uh, multifamily buildings around the community to ensure that electric vehicles are accessible for uh, folks who might be renters or uh, or in condos and not just something that's limited to, to people who have a single family home. Um, we also are con conscious that, um, you know, we want to make sure to mitigate the impact on peak demand as we move towards electrification. So, uh, in 2019, we were one of the first utilities um, to launch a dedicated electric vehicle rate um, 
for residential customers. And in fact, um, uh, just yesterday evening, our electric commission approved our pursuing an expansion of that rate to include multifamily buildings and commercial customers as well. The current residential EV rate um, sets a window of time uh, for you to set your vehicle to charge um, between 10 at night and noon the next day. Um, and if you adhere to those hours uh, in a given month, you can charge for the equivalent of 60 cents a gallon of gas. Uh, we provide a bill credit uh, that, that equates to that um, for your fuel. And even at our public stations, which are, are not as cheap as the off-peak rate, uh, it's the equivalent of about $1.46 a gallon uh, to charge up. So one of the things that's really exciting is uh, the cleaner fuel, in this case, because it's 100% renewably sourced, is, uh, is driving an EV with electricity compared to a gasoline vehicle. Uh, in Burlington, that means the cleaner choice is also the cheaper choice uh, for customers, which is great news. And we have state rebate programs and federal incentives that are making electric vehicles more affordable and accessible. Uh, we've partnered with um, uh, more than 10 area auto dealers on an EV preferred network uh, for our customers. So our customers can go to those EV auto dealers. Um, they meet certain standards in terms of having a charging station on site, making sure that their sales staff is trained to offer information about electric vehicles and that you can get our rebate and the state rebate. Uh, right at the point of sale to help reduce the cost of the vehicle up front um, and make it more affordable. So I think there's a great story there in terms of electric transportation. Um, electric vehicles are part of our fleet as well at Burlington Electric. Um, we have several electric vehicles uh, for our own staff to use, and we're excited to be bringing an electric bucket truck for our line crew uh, coming up in fiscal year 22 uh, so that the uh, transition to electric uh, transportation is really going to permeate our fleet. Um, and, you know, beyond all of that, if we think just big picture for Vermont, um, you know, a dollar spent uh, buying gas at the gas station, uh, the estimate is, you know, roughly a quarter of that dollar stays in the state economy. Um, if you spend a dollar, um, you know, charging up a vehicle uh, with us, um, about two thirds of that dollar stays in the state economy. So this is not only good from an emissions reduction standpoint, from a customer economic standpoint and a utility economic standpoint, it's also good from a state economy standpoint. So, um, you know, those are some of the different things we're working on relative to electric vehicles, um, and we're excited for the future there. All right, terrific. Um, so, just switching gears here a little. Um, so, in 2019, um, Burlington Electric um, earned a Smart Energy Provider designation from APPA. Um, so, I'd love to hear from you in terms of the uh, steps that the utility took to earn um, this recognition. Yeah, and I have to say, we have a, a great team uh, in our energy services uh, division that provides uh, support for our customers with energy efficiency, with electrification incentives and programs, and uh, helping our customers, you know, if they have a high bill and they need to look into it. And our energy services team really took the lead on applying for that uh, designation. We were very, very proud to earn that. And I think it's a recognition that, uh, you know, Burlington uh, and Burlington Electric have had uh, a really strong track record uh, on energy efficiency and then more recently on renewable energy and distributed generation. Um, you know, if you go back to 1989, um, uh, which is a year we use as a baseline, because in 1990, uh, we had an $11.3 million bond that was approved, uh, revenue bond for energy efficiency that really kickstarted a number of our efforts. 
Um, but if you look at 1989, um, energy use, electricity use, and compare it to today, even if you remove any of the COVID impacts on sales to customers, um, we're using about 8.6% less electricity uh, today on a real basis uh, than we were in 1989. Um, I think if the United States was on a similar trajectory, we'd be talking probably uh, several hundred coal plants that that wouldn't be needed, uh, for example, just to give a sense of the scale. Um, so that's, that's uh, you know, part of the story with energy efficiency. We've had over 70 million invested by Burlington Electric and our customers, and we're estimating that we're saving customers uh, between 10 and 12 million annually in avoided costs on their bills uh, due to efficiency. Um, and unique among all the utilities in Vermont, Burlington Electric retains its own energy efficiency programs. Uh, the rest of the state is served by Efficiency Vermont, which is a statewide um, efficiency utility. So we continue to offer those programs for our customers. And we're proud to do so. Um, I mentioned that you know in 2014 we were the first city in the nation to source 100% of our power from renewable generation. Uh, we've had uh, continuation of that uh, accomplishment um, each year since. Um, so we continue to source uh, power from renewable generation. Um, we have a, a policy and planning team that does our power supply work and, and makes sure that that happens. Um, and we've seen uh, strong growth in distributed generation. Um, we look at solar in Burlington, for example. Uh, even as we are 100% renewable, we continue to support our customers who want to add solar uh, through net metering, for example. And uh, we went from having almost no solar installed back in uh, 2009, 2010, uh, to today having uh, over 8.5 megawatts. And um, we're about a 60 to 65 megawatt peaking system. So, uh, you know, 8.5 megawatts of capacity for solar is fairly significant for us. And uh, Environment America had named us the top city per capita for solar in the Northeast. Uh, so I think, you know, when I look at the, the uh, designation that we were proud to achieve from APPA, I think it's recognition of some of these efforts on efficiency and renewable energy uh, that our customers and that Burlington Electric have been making uh, over a period of years and, and continue to pursue um, as well as the, um, you know, the customer care team that we have that works with our customers to uh, ensure that they're getting exceptional, uh, exceptional care and uh, that they are aware of and uh, uh, educated on all these different programs that we offer and are able to take advantage of them. So um, that's, a great, uh, that's a great point of pride for the organization. Great. Uh, and, and also just, you know, again, in terms of doing um, research um, uh, in preparation for this interview, uh, one of the things that jumped out at me um, is the fact that Burlington Electric has a uh, solid track record of um, avoiding rate increases for its customers. Um, so would like to hear from you on what are the steps utilities taken over the past several years to, to avoid rate increases? Absolutely. I think, um, you know, we're, we're in our 12th year now uh, since we last raised rates. And, um, you know, I think that's that's an interesting story. If, if we talk with folks, um, at, you know, other utilities or, or in other states sometimes and we talk about being 100 percent renewable or pursuing net zero, a lot of times the question is, you know, you must be raising rates all the time. And obviously that's not the case. Um, you know, having uh, a long-term and stable portfolio of power resources uh, is important for us. Um, you know, certainly um, the organization has been uh, strategic in looking to control the costs that we can control. Uh, obviously, there are some costs that are uh, outside of our control um, that that tend to 
uh, either be volatile or tend to increase. Uh, you know, you look at transmission costs, for example, those can increase in a significant volume uh, year over year. Um, so there are certain things that you have to mitigate uh, in that sense. Um, there was a reorganization effort that took place um, in the middle of the last decade uh, that helped, um, you know, reduce the trajectory on controllable costs and uh, and keep those manageable. Um, we've had some some good, um, you know, power contract uh, negotiations uh, that have helped keep costs uh, low. And I think that we, um, like many utilities, were, were impacted uh, by the pandemic, obviously, um, in terms of we've seen uh, much lower sales to customers. Uh, we've seen capital project disruptions and we've seen our customers uh, fall behind on their bills and not be able to pay, leading to very high arrearage levels. Um, so I do expect that we will, in all likelihood, file for the first time for a rate case uh, in the near future. And uh, it'll still be an extraordinary 12-year run that we had uh, demonstrating that you can move towards renewables and towards net zero and, and hold rates steady for that long. Um, I think going forward, what we're excited about with net zero and with uh, electrification generally is analysis we've done for our integrated resource plan suggests that comparing a business as usual scenario to a scenario where we move uh, aggressively towards the net zero energy goal, where we have more folks using uh, electrification uh, for heating and transportation, more electric vehicles, more heat pumps, um, the net zero scenario actually cuts upward rate pressure by about half uh, going forward. And that's because we can add more sales, uh, more kilowatt hour use to the grid uh, in places uh, that are off peak uh, make the grid more efficient as a as essentially a large system, and uh, all things equal, uh, assuming we mitigate peak uh, demand impacts, uh, all things equal when you're moving more units, obviously over uh, a relatively similar fixed cost system, uh, you can put the price per unit. Uh, the pressure goes down instead of up, and so there are grid upgrades and other things that we'll need to pursue as part of uh, the net zero effort. Um, we are going to, in all likelihood, bring a revenue bond for net zero uh, to the city council and to the voters of Burlington for their consideration later this year to help us uh, finance uh, continued efforts uh, in a way that is financially responsible and, and keeps uh, rate pressure low. Um, but we're incredibly proud to offer that 12-year uh, uh, rate stability uh, you know, trajectory for our customers. And um, certainly, we're, we're interested even as we look at potentially filing for our first rate case in 12 years uh, and having those rate cases be as low as possible, because uh, not only do we know our customers value affordability uh, and expect that, and we want to deliver that, uh, but also uh, to the extent we can keep the price of electricity uh, low and competitive, it's important uh, as it competes against other fuels, uh, such as gasoline uh, in the transportation sector. I think, you know, just to linger on that point just for a moment, uh, so often as a, uh, a regulated entity uh, with a franchise service territory, um, you know, we think of a utility as not having a competitive component to it. But when we think about some of these newer uh, areas that we're working in um, with transportation, for example, um, you know, renewable electricity as a fuel is competing against uh, other fuels. And uh, we want the price for uh, electricity to be competitive and uh, and low. So that's another part of wanting to keep rates low for our customers. Great. And just going to wrap things up with uh, my final question. Um, 
Want to know uh, if you could give an overview of um, Burlington Electric's green stimulus program um, and, and kind of walk us through how the program's proven to be a success. Absolutely. So, you know, right when the uh, governor uh, in Vermont was was issuing our, our stay home, stay safe orders in March of 2020, uh, when the pandemic was first hitting, um, we had some conversations uh, at Burlington Electric about how to help our customers as this was uh, coming on. And obviously, the first efforts we made were focused on relief. We suspended uh, disconnection for non-payment. Um, we uh, waived any and all late fees. Um, we created new budget payment plans that uh, would help customers who fall behind catch up on their bills. Um, and we've certainly pursued uh, arrearage assistance for customers uh, where that's been available. Um, but we also realized that we would have um, some funding uh, from our uh, efficiency program that would probably go unutilized because of the uh, longstanding uh, you know, pandemic uh, health concern. Uh, there wasn't going to be as much new construction happening, obviously. There weren't going to be projects happening. And we wanted to rededicate uh, funds to really help our customers um, who are going to be in need during the pandemic. Uh, we wanted to support the net zero efforts. Uh, we wanted to support um, jobs in the clean energy sector, uh, knowing that there was going to be a, a several month shutdown of the economy and then, uh, you know, a reopening that would be guided by public health uh, principles. Um, so the green stimulus we designed and uh, it was first announced actually uh, in early April 2020. So really less than a month uh, since the pandemic started, um, the mayor in his state of the city address, uh, Mayor Weinberger, in April of 2020, uh, laid out that we were going to be pursuing this green stimulus effort. Uh, Burlington Electric filed with the Public Utility Commission to rededicate those um, unutilized, uh, or what we would assumed would be unutilized or underutilized efficiency funds, and really use them to enhance a variety of programs um, for our customers and, and offer a few new ones as well. Um, we received approval for that in late May of 2020, and we launched the programs uh, starting in June. Um, so in some cases, uh, it meant adding some additional uh, uh, funding to existing incentives. So we increased the amount that a customer could get for a heat pump uh, for an electric vehicle. Um, we created a program uh, to support um, low-income customers who wanted to get an electric bike, where they could do so um, at cost with a local partner at Old Spokes Home, and then they could finance uh, the the cost with our rebate included uh, to help lower the cost even further at 0% for 36 months with a local credit union. Um, we created a partnership with local credit unions to offer financing as low as 0% for uh, energy efficient appliances, uh, heating and cooling systems. You know, if a customer had an appliance or a heating system break during the pandemic, uh, we wanted to make sure that they had the ability to finance the efficient replacement choice uh, at 0% on an income qualified basis or at a lower rate than market uh, if they were uh, not low income but still needed to help. Um, so we had 0% uh, offerings for residential. Uh, we also have a 0% on-bill financing program in partnership uh, with a grant from the Economic Development Administration uh, that can support uh, commercial customers who need to replace uh, refrigeration or heating and cooling systems or make ventilation improvements. Uh, so we have a commercial program that mirrors our residential program. Um, and uh, we also increased incentives on a variety of appliances and other, other existing programs uh, to make them more attractive. 
Um, so one of the things we really learned from this is uh, with heat pumps, for example, um, we were able to see a 6x increase in the installation of residential heat pumps uh, after the green stimulus launched compared to the period uh, prior to the green stimulus launching. So if you look at the heat pump trajectory, it's increased dramatically um, because of the green stimulus. And it went from a situation where heat pump contractors were, you know, through the public health guidance, not able to do work uh, in homes, obviously, to when the reopening happened, uh, there's so much demand that's been created that it takes uh, several months to get a heat pump contractor uh, to come and install a heat pump. And uh, uh, many of our customers have been able to take advantage, put in heat pumps, uh, and have more efficient uh, heating and cooling, uh, for example. Um, we also, because we've uh, had a strong program now with with low and moderate income incentives uh, for electric vehicles, we've seen um, about 20% of our rebates for electric vehicles are going either to support low moderate income customers or to support the purchase of more affordable pre-owned vehicles. And the green stimulus is helping that effort um, as well. So I think we really wanted to um, to, to see that trajectory uh, of program adoption increase, do so in a way that would help our customers at a very challenging time and support the broader clean energy industry. And I mentioned, I think, at the top uh, when we were talking about Tier 3 of Vermont's Renewable Energy Standard, um, the goals under Tier 3 each year get more and more ambitious uh, for utilities. In 2020, despite the pandemic and, and in part because of the green stimulus, uh, we basically tripled our state goal on Tier 3 for electrification and fossil fuel reduction. Um, and so we've continued the green stimulus in 2021. Um, and we are working on efforts uh, longer term to try to make some of those incentives uh, permanent, uh, whether that's through uh, some of our regulatory efforts with our efficiency program uh, or through the revenue bond or a combination of both. Uh, we really have seen what moves the needle for our customers in terms of making these technologies more accessible and affordable and uh, want to support them long term because that's uh, that's really the model, the business model for our utility is uh, support net zero. Uh, the electric grid is going to be more important. We're going to sell more renewable electricity, and we're going to do so in a way that can be economically beneficial for our customers. And um, uh, so the green stimulus has been a great learning opportunity for us and uh, a good support for our customers in a challenging time. Darren, thanks so much uh, for taking the time uh, to speak with us today. Um, as with um, you know, pretty much all of the public power officials that I've interviewed for this podcast, I mean, there's a wealth of information um, that that our listeners are are being provided, and, and certainly you're no exception. So, um, given given that, um, we'd love to have you back at, at some point in the future to maybe follow up on some of the things we talked about today. Probably the roadmap would be a great opportunity to get an update on you from. Um, but again, thank you for your time. Thanks very much, Paul, and uh, we're really pleased to be able to speak with uh, the APPA uh, membership today. So, thank you very much. All right. Thanks again. Yeah.